This is People Like Us, a show about Alt-MBA alumni. Here's Ian Scott from Alt-MBA 2. Ian, I am so excited to talk to you today. I remember learning about you when I was applying to the Alt-MBA. You were in the featured alumni section. So I, I, I feel like I already know a little bit about your background. You're at Vimeo and Kickstarter. You worked for Simon Sinek and you've been a coach and head coach for Alt-MBA. And now you are working to save the world. So where do you want to start to answer the question of who were you before Alt-MBA? Thanks, Covington. Uh, I'm already blushing. Um, <laughs> I, I remember taking that photo, actually. I had some really great classes back then. Um, yeah, so in thinking about how I got here, you know, ahead of, ahead of this conversation, it took me back to a memory that I had when I was about seven years old. So in 1996, the Summer Olympics were happening in Atlanta, Georgia, and I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. And so I was in second grade, and we had this opportunity to submit a two-page essay uh, to win tickets to the Olympics uh, for us and our family. And for me, this just captured my imagination. I thought that was incredible. I mean, for me, you know, I'd never been abroad, um, and just the idea of you know people from many different countries would be there. I mean, it absolutely fascinated me, but. Um, on the other hand, I didn't think I was a very good writer and my chances of winning an essay contest seemed impossible. And, um, it was, you know, it was a class wide, uh, all the second graders, it was a class wide contest. So only the top three students were going to win tickets. Um, and so no matter much, no matter how much I wanted it, I couldn't bring myself to write it. And so I, I didn't enter and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't even try. And, uh, I just remember two weeks later, the winners were announced and it turns out that you know, many of my classmates felt basically as hopeless as I, as, as I did, and fear had prevented them from trying. And out of the entire third grade, uh, sorry, second grade class, only three students submitted essays, and they won. Wow. So everyone who submitted an essay won, and I just couldn't believe it. And so, you know, now I, I just think back to that. You know, at the age of seven, I, I really had this personal epiphany, which was, you know, if you don't try, you automatically lose. Mm. And that isn't to say that I, you know, would have won, you know, there's still competition. Who knows if I would have been one of the three, but um, I really think that changed my life. I think that, you know, a lot of my motivation comes from never wanting to feel like I felt when I was, you know, a seven-year-old boy in that gymnasium in Birmingham, Alabama, knowing that, you know, the reason I won the Olympics, you know, as a, as a spectator, obviously, but, you know, going to the Olympics was, you know, not because I, you know, lost a contest, but because I, I, it basically defeated myself by not even giving it a, a shot. Mm. And so when I think back to that, I mean, I feel like years later, that's what drove me to, you know, um, apply for the arts magnet school that I went to in high school. Um, it led me to pursue kind of a, kind of a series of unconventional career opportunities that are kind of in a winding path. And, and also, you know, really is what gave me the courage to join the Alt-MBA. Looking back on, when you decided to apply to Alt-MBA, do you remember what was going on in your life and, and what you were actually thinking when, you're, when you decided to apply? Yeah. So in fall 2015, I was working as a product manager at Kickstarter and Seth had funded his book, The Icarus Deception, um, I think in 2013 
on the site. And I think through that had met Yancy Strickler, who's one of the co-founders of Kickstarter. Uh, and in short, I think what happened was there was a conversation between Seth and, and Yancy where, you know, Seth probably described the ultimate EA, said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Uh, and I'm looking for people, you know, who want to make a change in the world. Uh, do you know anyone? And so I just remember Yancy literally tapping me on the shoulder one day and, and just saying, Hey, you should do this thing. And that was when I was still pretty green uh, as a product manager. So at you know at that time I was trying to balance a lot of new responsibilities. Um, and and actually that so that October and then September were two of the biggest projects I had ever taken on, and even to this day really stand out for me. There was one that was a Kickstarter project that we were running for the UNHCR. So we were basically um, working on a two week project, launching it. We had almost 30,000 backers donated almost $2 million towards refugee relief. And I was basically running that. So we built another version of Kickstarter basically as a side project and then ran a project for the UN during my Alt-MBA session. Uh, and at the same time, we had just become a public benefit corporation, uh, Kickstarter had. And so I was actually managing a project to update our, our website to reflect it on our about page. We launched the corporate charter page. We redid the team page, the job page, uh, the press page. And all of that was in September. So basically the, the five weeks at the time, because the ultimate was five weeks when I took it, uh, the five week sprint actually happened during my other two to three week sprints, um, at Kickstarter, probably one of the busiest times of my life. Um, so it really changed me in a lot of ways, in ways that don't have to do directly with the curriculum, but really have to do with the philosophy behind the ultimate of taking yourself on, uh, leveraging constraints, and really just continuing to show up. And I remember coming off that session as a student, you know, spun up to way more RPMs than than I knew what to do with. So um, I felt like I got you know, you know, twenty hours back a day uh, after that. So it's pretty incredible to be able to then put that energy towards other things. So you did Alt-MBA too, and you've been a coach and head coach for a number of Alt-MBAs, including the class that just graduated. How have you seen Alt-MBA change throughout the years? Yeah, so when I was first a student in Alt-MBA too, I mean, it was still really getting off the ground. And I remember then being able to peek behind the curtain as a coach in Alt-MBA 3 and just realizing how innovative it really is. Um, the coaching team themselves every time pour their heart and soul into it. And based on their feedback, the sessions get better every single time. And I remember um, actually being at one of our alumni events. I remember a coach coming up to me uh, from like, like, I think it was like Alton BA 11 or something. Um, a coach came up to me and said, Oh man, I was, I was a coach in Alton BA 11. You know, man, you're, you're old school. You know, you were there at the beginning. And I remember thinking, you know, what's beautiful is the coaching team actually comes out of the alumni. Um, and so for me, I thought, no, actually, you're five times better because your experience was based on the experience of incredible people whose experience was based on incredible people. Um, so for me, now that we've done, what, you know, almost 30 Ultimate sessions, it's, it's almost unrecognizable in form, but in principle and in culture is stronger than it's ever been. You've also done some work with Simon Sinek and, and Start With Why. Can you talk a little bit about that work? Sure. Um, actually, my work with Simon got started in the Alton BA. You know, as all the Alton BA alumni will know, 
we all fall in love with our week one learning groups. And I was very privileged to have Kim Harrison, uh, who was the CEO of Simon's company at the time, uh, in mine. And so by the end of the program, we had built up uh, a close relationship that was both collaborative and creative. And so, you know, at the time I was working at, at Kickstarter, I'd been there for a while, I'd been there for almost four years. And I started looking for something new, something more challenging. And I remember applying to a number of jobs. Um, a lot of them liked the one that I had in product management. But out of all of those, the one that really stuck out to me and scared me the most was this opportunity that Kim uh, gave to me, uh, knowing that I had been through the Alt-BA, knowing the way that I thought, knowing that we both had a shared experience about shipping good work. Uh, she gave me the opportunity to join the team and build out a product side to the business. So at the time, they didn't have one. Um, I'd never built out a team from scratch before. And... Um, at my time there, we built it out to four people, and I'm really proud of that work. But you know, it's funny because it, it really all did start in the LTBA and, and based out of that relationship with Kim. Wow, that's amazing. Hearing your story, it sounds like you've been inspired to dedicate your career to tackling difficult challenges. What's next for you, or what are you working on now? So actually, I have um, Kim Harrison again to thank for what I'm actually doing now. Um, Almost a year ago, she introduced me to uh, William Urey, who is a uh, you know expert negotiator and peace builder. Um, he co-founded the Harvard program on negotiation, authored a number of books, including Getting to Yes. Um, and it, through being introduced to William, I heard about this project that he's working on now, which which now I've joined their team. Um, and it's really an opportunity to apply all the design thinking and systems thinking and knowledge management practices that I've accumulated and migrate that away from software specifically and really bring that to bear on peace building and negotiation initiatives around the world. And so I've joined William's team uh, and I'm working with him uh, to codify and share his methodology so that more people can make peace possible. So we work on seemingly intractable conflicts. For example, we've worked on um, US-North Korea relations. We've worked on Israel-Palestine. We've worked on Venezuela. We're currently working on all of these and continue to scale. So it's really a continuation of the work that I've always done, which is really about me following my nose, being very curious, and being able to say yes to those opportunities that come. And especially leaning into the ones that, you know, I kind of, I'm intimidated by. You know, I think, I think for me, a lot of people... I think feel like they need permission to do great things, and now I'm I'm sort of realizing that you know every person, every everybody listening to this podcast, you know, has the right to change the world for the better, and so I just keep following my nose and keep stepping into those opportunities to say yes. Oh, that's really amazing work. How does design thinking come into peacemaking? That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, so if you think about what IDEO did for human-centered design, they really took a design practice that existed. They codified it, they put some structure around, around it and um, helped scale it and bring it to new people so that they could leverage that type of thinking in their own work. So with William, you know, in the field of negotiation, um, there's a lot of thinking and a lot of academia already. Um, but what we're doing is we're actually bringing in this collective intelligence angle. We're actually bringing in designers and other researchers and we're, you know, bringing in, you know, um, TV producers and a bunch of creatives into the space, in a, into a space that typically people don't feel like they have access to or they don't have credibility to participate in. Um, but we're trying to build out a methodology that really leverages and harnesses that power, that creative energy that exists. And, and again, bring that in and, and reveal new possibilities that 
you know, might not be surfaced in a academic paper on, you know, a specific subject matter. Um, and I think one of the things that's really unique about William is he is a possibilist. I mean, for me, one of the most inspiring things is, is, um, you know, with this work is that we explored the 1% possibilities. Um, I think, you know, classically in, in, in sort of evaluating risk in, in the business world, especially when you're trying to calculate, say, ROI, you basically take, okay, what is the likelihood of this thing times the impact? And that's sort of your risk evaluation. And when we're talking about saving lives, you know, when we're talking about averting nuclear war or just any kind of violent conflict, you know, that could be millions of lives. And in that case, even if the likelihood is only a 1% chance or, or one in a thousand or one in 10,000 chance, um, the impact is so high and so important that it's worth it. So what's amazing is through this work with William, we're able to take our energy, bring in people who um, typically wouldn't be invited into the room, but really leverage their creative energy to explore those 1% possibilities. And for me, that's, that's what we need in order to change the world. Wow. To close, I have one question that I ask everyone that I talk to. It's a fill in the blank. How would you fill in the blank? Reach out if blank. So I think it's, it's really easy when thinking about tackling big challenges um, to get intimidated or to tell yourself a story that, you know, that's so important and the work that I'm doing isn't related or, you know, I, I can't, I can't even begin to think about how I would tackle such a complex thing. And I've definitely felt that. And so what I invite is reach out if you feel like you need permission to do great things, because I have felt that. And I can remind you that you have permission, that in fact, you are the one to grant yourself that permission. And every single one of us has our own set of skills that we can bring to bear on what's important to us. And so uh, if you're feeling that imposter syndrome, if you're feeling that resistance to uh, really take on something that you think is a really bold, big, worthwhile challenge, uh, reach out and maybe even we can collaborate. Thank you, Ian, for being a part of this community and, and being so inspiring. You've definitely been an inspiration to me and helped me ship work that scares me. So thank you. You're welcome, Covington. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for ways to contact Ian.